0: Welcome to Innovation Minutes Live, where we discuss all things disruption and innovation at the cross-section of technology and culture. Your co-hosts are Daniel Gonzalez and Anna Akbari, PhD.
1: Hello, and welcome to another edition of Innovation Minutes Live. True to our name, today we are talking about just that, innovation, uh, but specifically going a little more granular than perhaps we have in the past and looking at what exactly qualifies as innovation anyway and who has... Claim to it. Now, disclaimer we are not lawyers, so we will not be getting into the nitty gritty um, of IP and all the other (laughs) relevant uh, legal considerations on this topic. Perhaps in a future episode, we'll invite um, a legal scholar to join us and, and... and Yeah,
0: somebody who can actually define what it <laughs> is. <laughs> but, we, but we're
1: going to look at it from sort of a precedent perspective in terms of uh, where there have been entries into the market, where you have first movers, and then you have people who have been innovating on that, and how that relates to consumer perception around who and what is innovative.
0: Yeah. So where where did this come from? Where did this start for you?
1: Well, you know, it's something that certainly we've talked about in our video series and in the work that we've done in terms of trying to break down different types of innovation. You know, I think wanting to debunk the idea that something is only innovative if it creates something from scratch, because uh, certainly that is not the definition of innovation is not limited to that. Um, but what kind of sparked me wanting us to address this here, uh, was, is the recent, um, uh, battle between the dating apps, Tinder and Bumble. And so for anyone who is not personally uh embedded in the online dating world or the app dating world, you may not be keeping up with this as much. Uh, so just a quick backstory. Uh, Tinder has been the most dominant uh, dating app for the last several years. Um, but there have been a lot of new entries, one of which is Bumble. And Bumble is interesting in part because it was founded by the woman who was originally one of the co-founders of Tinder had a falling out, left and started Bumble, which unlike Tinder, uh, it mimics it almost exactly except that women have to be the first ones to initiate the conversations with the individuals that they've matched with. Interesting.
0: But other than that, they're exactly the same?
1: Exactly the same.
0: Now, I have to ask because Tinder at this point is how many years old? Maybe five Years yeah long, about that, like that. Uh-huh. um have they changed from their original model because initially when they came out they were known as like the hookup app have they mig- have they changed in any way to be more of like a full service i don't even know what that means
1: yeah um, like looking for a more thing? serious relationship yeah. um certainly not in any way that that would compare with the, the, the older models of MASH.com or eHarmony or any of those that are, that are out there that Mm -hmm. still, you know, they, they have apps, but those are, those are largely catering to a more relationship minded computer based uh, demographic and looking more at this larger picture of "Quote unquote" compatibility, which we could argue whether or not that's actually effective um, or not. Uh, some of the data that I've seen shows that the compatibility matchings are no more effective on those platforms than that instinctual swiping is um, on these apps. I think it's less about the um, the science of the matching and more about just whether some, whether it's a group that's relationship minded that mm-hmm. that you know uh, makes one more likely to yield relationships than the other. That said, there are certainly plenty of actual relationships that are coming out of um, all of these dating apps, in part because they've gotten so big that um, individuals with with all sorts of, of goals and mindsets are, are coming to them. There's an argument that says that after a certain number of years, certain critical mass of individuals signing up for them, that, that the apps, these dating apps become not as good, quote unquote, Um, or they're not as selective or not as desirable. And that that could be part of why Bumble is experiencing the um, extreme growth that it is right now. Uh, But that aside, we can get into a a deeper dive into the, the mechanics of, online dating later but what's interesting about this is that tinder is owned by the match group which is iac
0: and when did that happen they they were acquired
1: they were acquired and i can't remember when that was Um, and they and that group has been looking to also court uh bumble and so interesting a, a bunch of because basically they own all the dating sites and apps Mm -hmm. and one thing that has happened is that they have tinder and the match group has been trying to sort of discredit bumble as a knockoff and make it seem less valuable to potent would be
0: um, (laughs) interesting strategy
1: they say that they're not doing that of course bumble says this is exactly what you're doing you know You as a listener can decide what you believe. I happen to believe that's exactly what they're doing is to drive the price down and push away other would-be investors. Uh, And and what's come up as a result of this is what is proprietary about the user experience in these apps that that have almost identical user experience um, and also the language around it, this idea of swiping right or... Swiping left, um, and whether or not those are proprietary things, can you can you? And, and again, we're not legal scholars here, um, but is that something that can be um, exclusive, uh, or that you might have to license mm-hmm. use <laughs> of from another from another app or bit of technology? And this is interesting on a lot of levels. But when we're talking about what makes something Innovative. Um, I think it's really important to start from a place of it doesn't have to completely redefine online dating. The fact that women make the first move makes it different and innovative.
0: innovative. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you and you can you can see this pattern repeat itself over and over. Um, You know, we talk about Apple a lot and how they've been so successful. But when you really think about it, Apple's products from the iPad or the iPod to the iPhone to the iPad to their wireless earbuds now that everybody's wearing, they kind of have this pattern of taking something that's been tried before and just executing 100% better. Yes. And, you know, that's something that's been their model, you know, for the past 20, 30 years. So it's not surprising to see this playing out in in the app world, too. And and I think you're you're spot on with with the observation that the innovation on Bumble's side was not in the user interface. That was that was kind of more just best practices. The innovation was in capturing a a segment of the user base that was being ignored and
1: It was right. it was re reformulating the human behavior and the human interaction, and looking at how the results are are different. How how do people behave differently on an app when women have that power? Um, and again, that's a whole other conversation. But that in and of itself is very innovative. Um, yeah. And certainly there are you know you mentioned Apple. Um, we could look at the uh, Uber Lyft. Competition, you know, right. not entirely dissimilar from the Tinder Bumble <laughs> competition. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's interesting. People, people think about Lyft as kind of like a less hard edge service, and I, you, you definitely see more women drivers on the Lyft side of things. I don't yeah. know if that's actually true.
1: Yeah, I have, I have seen that uh, as well. Um, I personally have a preference for um, whatever Uber's algorithm is for matching me with the driver in the fastest way possible, and then mapping out uh, the route. Yeah. Um, I find that whatever Uber's algorithm is, um, is more reliably efficient for me than...
0: Mm-hmm. The- yeah, I would... I would say the same
1: but but more often but they're close enough then more often than not I become the bargain shopper and I'll try (laughs) to see you know I'll go into both of them before I'm going to request it and see you know which which is cheaper and there's a two-minute rule for canceling so sometimes I'll, I'll also if I'm in a hurry I'll request both see who matches me faster and which one it shows that the driver is is the closest this to me and then cancel the other. So, you know, a way for them to be innovative in distinguishing themselves would be something like a subscription model where, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm incentivized to be, to be loyal to one over the other in, in the long run. It doesn't necessarily come from, you know, the way I engage with the app itself. Right. So some other uh, interesting notes in this kind of like what defines innovation has to do with the language that we use. And, and, you know, we could think about social media language around Facebook likes or Twitter's tweet or or the idea of Googling something. And, you know, these are these are words that have become embedded in our language, even when we're not necessarily uh, speaking directly. About these platforms. You know, I was never a Bing user, but I am quite certain that if I was going to do a search on there, I would still say I'm gonna Google that.
0: <laughs> right, right. They've, they've become part of our culture.
1: Yeah, and this of course is not unique to technology uh other household objects and products that have risen to the top often have their brands become the default reference for it um whether it's kleenex or band-aids or Mm, any other um, number of things um so you know it's not always the first mover that is the one that prevails in the end
0: Um, yeah i think right at at the end of the day it's it's Who can do a better job of solving problems for their customers?
1: Which, of course, begs the question of whether or not then an NDA, which a lot of early stage entrepreneurs um, are quick to try and get people to sign because somehow they think that if, if everyone they talk to signs an NDA, then that protects their idea and the right. technology <laughs> and will make yeah. it most innovative.
0: Yeah, I mean for and, and for context for, for those of you who aren't necessarily in in, in tune with the entrepreneur community. Um, you know, we we've done a lot of work with startups and have advised and consulted a lot of them. And the, the biggest fear you'll hear from the the novice startup founder is, you know, well, what if somebody steals my idea? And this this kind of goes back to the age-old debate of, you know, what's more important. Um, execution or idea. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the truth is that it's, it's a balance of both, but it's probably more execution than it is idea. There have been some really bad ideas that were executed really well and became really successful, you know, and conversely, there have been some really good ideas that were executed terribly and went nowhere. So, yes, you know, I think this kind of speaks to the NDA conversation. You kind of see that, you know, we've also talked a lot about the the cultural differences within the communities between like, let's say Silicon Valley and New York. Right New yeah. York is still a very old school minded of you know, to have coffee with somebody you have to sign an NDA whereas in in the bay area in silicon valley you you generally will never sign an NDA maybe unless you go to work for somebody but even then it's it's a maybe
1: and there are a lot of investors that just will say you know you're welcome to come and pitch to me but I will not sign an NDA
0: yeah yeah
1: and i respect that because i mean look i definitely encountered people this was actually back in new york who who ran with ideas that were shared with them in probably a little bit of a slimy way you mm-hmm. know where they were they certainly did not get that idea on their own and it came from very specific conversations um, and so on a on a, an interpersonal level there can be a, a, a a feeling of betrayal of trust but also you know it's from a business perspective if if they're first to market and they're doing it better there's they're allowed to do that Uh, and, and if the other party can't get their act together, then it isn't everyone else's responsibility to sit back and wait until they've fully innovated. And then, then, I mean,
0: you know, not, not to, not to get too off on a tangent of, of, you know, sharing ideas, but it's also a quick judgment of someone's character can tell you whether or not they're capable of. Formulating their own ideas. If you if you're meeting with somebody and you don't think they can come up with their own good ideas, you probably shouldn't be sharing your good ideas.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or just you know understanding kind of what their what their motives are in, mm-hmm. in being with you. Um, but I think you know the bottom line is is that innovation is not uh, an obvious black and white thing. Um, it's and and companies themselves are in a constant state of iterating and pivoting and and we could ask the question is something innovative if it fails mm-hmm. does that yeah. <laughs> does that make it suddenly what seems so great and innovative is it suddenly not considered innovative anymore and I, I would argue that if it pushes the conversation and there are insights from that then it is in fact innovative yeah
0: I think Apple's built a multi-hundred billion dollar business on that very premise so
1: yeah exactly so we would like to know what you think about what how we define innovation what makes something innovation innovative and who owns the rights to what is or isn't innovative Uh, so please find us in the comments and let us know your thoughts on that and this brings us to our ongoing segment of what is exciting us in the world of technology and innovation. Dan?
0: So, for me, um, it is actually comment bots. That's B O T S, not B O X. Um, and, you know, this kind of came about in the election in 2016. So, it's not a new topic, but it's definitely something that I've become more aware of as I read news articles and different comment forums and Twitter in general, which is. Awful and most of the time.
1: Um, so and, I really enjoy Twitter. Just want to I
0: know, I know. Um,
1: there's a lot of funny stuff happening on
0: Twitter. I, I, there's a lot of great things on Twitter, um, but you know, it, it's really come to my attention that. These bots have infiltrated almost every facet of the internet and where people exchange dialogue or or intend to exchange dialogue, and and I've been able to over time start to detect some of these patterns from mostly on political blogs, right? Where anything is politically charged, you're you're going to see um, bot activity from both the left and right ends of the political spectrum, and it and and it's just really interesting from a just a social point of view to see how people engage with these bot posts and then so the bot basically makes a provocative post that says you know whatever it says and then somebody from the other side a real human will engage and then either the bot will reply to them or somebody else from the original side will come in and then you'll have real people start fighting right and this was the whole premise behind what happened in the campaign was that these people who mm-hmm. supported different campaigns would actually send get real people to go in real life to either side of the picket lines and yeah. argue against each other and, and basically provoke these arguments. And that's kind of like the tearing of the thread of the social fabric. So it's just been interesting. Um, not not a good thing, but I think now that it's becoming more visible, um, maybe we mm-hmm. can start to think about ways to change it.
1: Yeah, just knowing something exists and, and what the mechanics of it are and how to spot it, I think is always really helpful. Mm-hmm. Talking about innovation, uh, you know, I'm not going to be introducing anyone to Spotify for the first time <laughs> here. Um, but what's been interesting for me is that I've I've been both a Spotify uh, and Pandora subscriber for years now. And the reason that I have also subscribed to Pandora is that I really like Their shuffle feature where I can have all these different channels that I've created around either an artist or a genre or a song um, or an album or whatever. And then I can actually shuffle so that if I'm having people over or, you know, going for a run or something, I don't have to limit myself to one radio genre. I can say, I want to mix, uh, you know, these oldies with this pop uh you know singer with you know some classical or whatever it is mm-hmm. and that can be my own unique mashup and thus far Spotify has not really answered with any type of functionality that I think compares to that particular feature with Pandora. Um, but they are Adding so so I still am a double subscriber. I look forward to the day where I don't no longer need to do that Um, but Could be sooner rather than later. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But uh, so if you're listening to Spotify, please (laughs) get there for me. Um, But they are doing some interesting things in Spotify where, you know, it used to be that you would look up an artist or a song or an album and you would just listen to that. And that was kind of the extent of what you could do on Spotify. And then there would be um, sort of radio genres. But again, you were limited to jazz or classical or, bluegrass or pop or whatever. And for me, those, those always felt, um, I, I felt very dissatisfied with the offerings in any given one of those. Um, and what they've been doing lately is of course, you have your weekly, kind of curated list of, I believe it's like 30 songs that are, they try to make new for you that you haven't been listening to. Um, And so it's like a music discovery playlist Mm -hmm. that's curated for you based on your uh, listening behavior. And those 30 songs, I think it's 30 disappear after one week. So they're there. And I think they come Mm -hmm. up on Monday. So that's been kind of a fun music discovery uh, element for me. Then they're doing, of course, the the playlists that are based on shuffling up the the music that you already listen to um, and dividing it kind of by genre. So that's cool. It's like your own curated playlist of your music. But they're also doing one other thing, which I think is kind of cool, is that they're creating their own playlists. So... For instance, just yesterday, I listened to one called the Guilty Pleasures playlist.
0: (laughs) Which I'm sure was ironically terrible music.
1: It should be. (laughs) You know, it kicks off with shaggy, as it should. (laughs) A little shaggy, it wasn't me it's into Bismarck Key. It's got some Ace of Base, you know, of course there's the requisite R. Kelly on there. I mean, there's a little bit of everything. Um, Mm. and it has some, you know, Backstreet Boys, et cetera. So I really enjoy, everyone loves someone else's playlist and they love to have playlists created for them. And so I see this as a really kind of unique thing.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why radio is still around, right?
1: Exactly. And and yet the way that they've been doing it as previously as this kind of default generic radio station of big overarching genres is not, I would argue, appealing to the the average uh, user right. that has any sort of discerning musical taste. Now to say I'm discerning in in a highbrow way because I certainly love the guilty pleasures uh, playlist, mm-hmm. but just that I want something with a little greater specificity. So Hats off to Spotify for continuing to innovate uh, and finding new ways to engage users. And uh, just a little plug for a personal request of the the shuffle um, feature that Pandora has, Um, which uh, to be honest, I've never used Apple Music. So I don't know if that uh, would maybe fulfill all my hopes and dreams there. But anyway, Spotify is doing some cool stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, that does it for us this week. Subscribe, share, send us to your comments, and we'll see you next week.
0: All right.